the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about self-acceptance and discovery. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Justice Renee, the child of a fundamentalist evangelical home. She has spent years fixing the damage done by this environment and set of beliefs. Justice works as an, a systems engineer at Target, helps amplify diverse voices through Secular North Productions, and raises her two kids with her partner. Hi, Justice. Renee. Hey, Emily. Hi. Thank you so much for letting me for having me on the show today. Starting to ask about your story with the overarching point here. Um, How do you identify? Well, I identify as she, her, um, use female pronouns. And that's an interesting one, because when it comes down to it, how do we all identify? I try and identify as myself and explore that. But I definitely feel much closer on that spectrum of Mm. things, more on the binary. How did you choose your name? Oh, boy. (laughs) So um, some people won't always share their dead name, but I'm going to because it kind of has a story and it kind of ties into this. Uh, My parents named me Justin. Um, They named me Justin following um, after Justin Martyr, um, an early church uh, father, uh, the early Christian church father out of the, uh, I can't remember all of a sudden, my my head's completely blank. But the whole concept of giving your whole self, giving your whole everything to God meant everything to my family. And so they chose Justin to fit that mold. And they raised me very much in the concept that I would do everything I can as the firstborn to live my life in such a way to bring honor to God and in their specific form of religion and their specific form of thought. So um, as I neared the place of transitioning, looking back at my past, looking where I came from, Some of the um, treatment of LGBT communities, not only towards the treatment of myself, but then also the treatment I did toward the LGBT community. Um, And trying to also keep my name kind of close to similar so it's easier for people as they're talking and they're communicating and we're connecting with people. Um, I went with justice. Justice means a lot to me. Um, And more importantly is my middle name. My middle name is Rene. Rene in French means reborn. And so tying the two together, we have justice reborn. I was a former fundamentalist minister preaching hate, anger, and um, just absolute vitriol towards the LGBT community. But through some very amazing people who showed me love and kindness, who reached into my heart and reached into my life and showed me that there's so much more and I can embrace who I was from the very beginning. Um, I've now moved forward and I've been reborn to bring justice to my trans family, mm-hmm. to each and every one. That's my hope. And that's where my name comes from and why I drive it so much that way. Yeah. And it, it sounds like in our in our, all of our talks that that is sort of what what drives your passion towards helping the community and doing everything you can to to bolster and to support all the trans folks. Absolutely. If we're going to make the world a better place, we have to step forward. We have to step out with out of fear, even though I'm absolutely terrified of coming out from behind the camera. <laughs> um, but it's important to us to to show that. We're normal. This is who we are. 
it's the shows. It's not just, you know, the talk show of like what we're doing here where we tell stories and we kind of get into some of the scarier stuff of the stuff. It's also being able to do Valkyries on the table. You're showing what it means to be human and it means everything. So I love it. And that is advocacy. That is the whole concept of changing the zeitgeist underneath, right? We are literally letting people realize and see who we are as individuals. And that is very powerful advocacy work, sometimes even more than these talk to talks, because it helps people connect with individuals mm-hmm. in a way that they can't when you're telling a story that they'll never understand. So I'm going to go a little off script here um, and just kind of ask you right off the bat, how have you found the different passions, um, you know, uh, uh, coming from that, that strict religious family where you were pushed, perhaps forced um, to step out there and to advocate for the beliefs that were there? Um, how have those two different passions uh, compared for you now taking this and and basically what you're doing is trying to push back and reverse the things that you were advocating for before so um i i I, i'm trying to think of the good way that's a really good question and i'm going to use that phrase to kind of bring it on in and okay so the way i see it and the way i understand it is very similar to being left-handed so in my earlier period of time I was forced to fit a mold that I did not fit in any way whatsoever. I used immense amount of energy to hold that. Just like my partner, my beautiful partner, she's she's left-handed. And in the world, she's run into so many things where she has to live the life of being a right-handed person, even though she's not, she's left-handed. And I tried so hard to fit the mold of what it meant to be this fundamentalist, this Christian, this man that could be the the epitome of the person that I was being raised to be, but that never was me from the very beginning. And so I look back and I mean, we we can get into it in the sense that, you know, there was a period of time I almost died due to my blood pressure spiking over 170 over 130. Um, and that whole situation, my whole body and everything about who I was, was running under massive amount of stress. And as soon as I said, you know what? No, I'm done. I'm done fighting. I'm done running. I'm accepting who I am and I'm moving forward in loving relationship and accept in kindness. Uh, My blood pressure went to 110 over 76 was what it was today. And that's that's the huge difference when you think about the comparison. Um, it didn't fit me. The energy and the excitement and the drive and who I am as a person, how I just poof, right out there. Yes, that's that's never left. But now I'm not doing it as the only way to silence the scream in the head. I'm doing it because I have freedom and it means something to me to finally be connected to who I am as a person. That's beautiful and, and so interesting that um, it was it was the same thing. You, you were uh, you were dealing with who you were 
at your core in both situations, but one of them was you were dealing with it by fighting it and pushing it down and just doubling down on the religious rhetoric um, yeah. versus now accepting yourself. Uh, it's beautiful that you've been able to get there and that you've got the extra bo bonus <laughs> there of, <laughs> you know, it, it greatly improving your health. It is. Yes. <laughs> so then, um, Back to the, the story of your transition, when did you first come to the point where you identified as transgender? So that would, when I first started to step into the role of being, of saying that I was trans, mm -hmm. um, I've always been trans. I've always dealt with, uh, ever since I hit puberty, I've held a certain amount of scream in the head that finally silenced when I got estrogen or, or, or fuzz, right? Or I, it depends on who you're talking to. But um when I, it was about 38. Um, oh, it's 37. It was about three years ago. Um, I finally hit the place where I was almost every night wishing to die and struggling with all the feelings internally. And all I had seen of what it was to be trans was porn and the mystery representation by my parents and that sure wasn't me but um i ran into some reddit accounts and some other stuff which really helped me understand that this is just a normal pattern of life and that started a year-long process well actually it was closer to 36 37 it's, it's it's been a bit it's been a blur the last three years let me tell you um but it was in yeah 20 to 2019 that I went to my partner and it was 2019 of August, 2019 that I said, Hey, something's different here. And she's like, yeah, I know something's different, but what is it? And it started down this whole directional path of conversations and struggling to be open and honest about how I felt. Um, there was a little bit of struggles and issues with um, the whole whole journey, which definitely took a lot of time and a lot of process. But we're in a, such a such a beautiful place. So I would say, yeah, about 30, 38. And then were you able to look back from that and and pinpoint some clues, some breadcrumbs from your youth that, um, you know, that that now now were illuminated with your hindsight to be like, oh, yeah, those were those are the signs that I should have seen earlier on and, and should have led to this diagnosis earlier. Yeah. 37, 38 was when I finally said, yes, this is what the case is. Um but I had experimented and I had fallen down the rabbit hole many times. Um, when I was a little kid, I definitely was much more feminine and connecting, but I realized very quickly, I, I, sang, I sang soprano in the church choir all through my, uh, all the way till I was 12 years old. Um, and then I had this situation, we were at my grandparents and my grandfather loved music but did not like the factor that I sang soprano and I'm about to let my voice change. And so they were like, you're going to change your voice. You are too high. You're too high. You're too high. And they drove it down and I had to lower my voice to fit in with my family at the time. Mm -hmm. And it became a, a whole thing. And when I hit puberty was the big thing because number one, my body didn't fit the way that I felt. 
and the way I was understanding connection of who I was. And on top of that, there was this fuzz or scream. I, I, I call it a scream. I'm very type A. I'm very driven. And so I used the scream as this energy in my head um, that I dealt with. I got into cross-dressing in my teens. Um, I struggled in at, at Christian Bible College to, you know, during the summer of one of the years before I went back to uh, actually not transition because I was like I had been I'd seen I had seen the behaviors I had seen the connections I felt more connected with the trans people that my parents said were horrible individuals even felt more connected with the porn actors that were trans individuals than I did with um, being a male but that was just to be that person in my family meant, you had to, you could, it wasn't safe. Mm -hmm. It wasn't an opportunity. And I mean, there's, there's a reason I have a tattoo on my arm. We can, you can ask me, we can talk about that in a bit, I guess. Mm. But um, there were a lot of little, little things and a lot of big things that, 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 that definitely I look back on and yep. Yep. Um, And I just kept saying I could power through them. I can power through them. And that didn't work. So was there uh, like one specific thing that cracked your egg then um, that was the, the eventual, you know, culmination of that signal noise that had been bugging you, the, the, the scream? Um, so I, I feel like we're missing a whole bunch of, a bunch of stuff and I apologize. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of do a little bit of a a little bit of a not not gonna monologue, but I'm gonna say a little bit of stuff. So at 13, I started. I was in the ministry. I started in the ministry at 13. I gave my first evangelical evangelistic sermon, uh, working with Child Evangelism Fellowship at the age of 13, and I dedicated my life to following my belief in God. And the reason I started throwing myself so heavy into that was because of that scream. My father made it very, very clear that anyone that was a part of the LGBT community not only deserved death, they were going to go to hell. And maybe even it should be the government's job to do it. And so I learned very quickly that when I struggled with these internal monologues, it it, it got to me. And... I got deep into cutting and one of the things I cut into my arm is an A. And when I was, I got on in college, I got away from the cutting by making a promise to myself that I would never live past 35 because everything was so painful that I said I was going to follow the role that my parents had outlined, which is I was named Justin. I was named to be this ambassador and I was going to be this missionary over in Indonesia. And I would do everything in my power to go out and be the best missionary possible and the best missionary that would die a quote unquote martyr's death and epitomize the name that my parents gave me. Um, And due to a myriad of reasons, um, I left Christianity 
And I reached 35 and I wasn't dead yet. And I got into this place where um, almost every night I was wishing for it. And the blood pressure spiked, the whole thing spiked and everything along those lines. And the thing that cracked my egg was saying, I can't do it anymore, but I love my kids and I love my partner and um, I'm going to live. And as soon as I said that I'm going to live, the only way I knew how to live was to stop fighting. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> I We just skipped up for a humongous amount, but I, I try to make it quick. <laughs> no, and, and um, it's your story. We can revisit and dive in as deep as you want on, on you know, the parts of your story that are the most important for you. Um, you know, I, I think, again, the purpose of this is to find those those pieces that resonate with other folks and show them there's there's someone else that has gone through this. Um, there's a way through it. Yeah. You're not alone and you can survive it. Um, you know, I, this last year, this last birthday was my 45th birthday. Um, and I did a, um, I had on the transverse, a suicide and depression special on my birthday yeah. um, where I interviewed um, a, a counselor. And the reason, the reason why that was a tie-in was because of the exact same thing for me is I had a date. Um, and it was not my 35th birthday, but it was my 45th. Um, mm. And for a long time, that was, that was my end date. And, um, you know, it was just very interesting to get to that date and be at such a great place because I'd been out for, you know, two or three years. I was working yeah. on, on this. Um, and it, 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 was, it was great to be at a place to turn that into something that could potentially help people. It's definitely something that a lot of us have have gone through in thoughts and ideations and even um, even setting a date. It's just such a great thing for us to be able to be past that. And I'm so proud of you for for having that that strength to put yourself and your family first and do what needed to be done and and to fight through everything because it was I know it was it, it, I, because of my personal yeah. experience. I know it's daunting. Yeah. But it's very hard. But it means everything. And you're willing to give up everything to be who you are. And it gives you the chance to move forward, mm -hmm. which is why what we do, what you're doing with the trans transverse is so important. We're opening doors and gateways for people to have conversations and to dig deeper into this stuff, not only to normalize it for parents and for rest of society to understand that we're normal and this is just part of life and we're part of the blueprint. We're not just the, 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 the sides, we are a part of the blueprint, but we're also, right, this is for the, the, the person struggling, right, to realize that they have a place mm -hmm. and they're not weird, they're not broken, they are themselves and they are beautiful in who they are. I think uh, Jay might be rubbing off on you a little bit. <laughs> I love that the, the similar messages of, of the love and, you know, the self-love and, and the love that we can share for everybody. So Jay has a big part in that, that coming out too. And I guess I, you know, put that in there. So yeah. Jay was interning at First Unitarian Society and I was struggling and doing this whole thing at night. And, he, and they and I had this sit down 
And I was just like, how the flip can you be so willing to wear all of these things and do all these things and just be open? And they just were real with me. And I was like, I just want that. I just want that. I want to be connected. I want my freedom. I don't want to have to be constantly worried about, you know, am I going to hurt my kids? Am I going to do all these things? You know, what's going to happen? It was all about then all of a sudden I had the freedom to step forward and to embrace it. And then, you know, to bring my family together and it has brought so much connection. I have more of a deeper relationship with my kids and my spouse than I ever have ever had. So we covered, you know, um, how you got to the point of, of knowing that you are transgender, um, how you got to the place where you made the decision that there was no other, there was no other choice that, you know, this was your, your path forward. Um, you know, so you got through the hard part there and then comes the hard part of accepting that about yourself and, and, you know, coming to terms with that identity and, and really coming, you know, really finding peace with it. What was that journey like for you? Um, very painful, very stressful and very scary um, because you're, you know, coming from a fundamentalist background, how do you tell your partner that you're trans, right? How do you tell your family? How do you tell your kids? Um, you know, even the factor of how did I, you know, how, you know, the constant back and forth, I'm not really trans. I can get through this. I can make it to my forties. I can make it to my fifties. Just get the kids through college. Just get these things. I do, you know, the, the rationing, the bargaining, Mm -hmm. the fighting through the battle, um, and discussion. Um, but we made it through it. Um, it was some very amazing conversations with my spouse um, that really helped me connect it, you know, and, and, and we kind of started down the line of, well, maybe I'm gender fluid, uh, maybe I'm non-binary, to embracing and, and accepting it. And during the time, Erica, I was very concerned about the factor that, well, is she going to leave me if I tell her too much if we go and down this path? And she gave me a ring um, at Christmas time. Uh, it's a Clodagh ring, and that Clodagh ring means loyal, um, it means friendship, and it means love. And she's my best friend, and it meant everything. And we have, we've had our struggles, we've had our fights, but doing it together and transitioning together in the sense of she's been there through the whole process, it's given me that freedom of being able to address it and move forward. What were some of the things that you had to offer her in those conversations to make her feel confident in your process and that, you know, she this wasn't happening to her, that that this was something that she was participating in? Um, We went to a couples therapy, couples for trans therapy, um, which was beneficial to connect us with community so that she could see there was others. it was more about conversations. We've been best friends all along. Um, we got married because she was my best friend. Um, it wasn't all the other stuff. It was, she. we got married because she was my best friend. And we've been able to keep that friendship and that connection. Um, I can count the amount of drives, lots and lots of drives we would go on. 
to have conversations, to touch base, to see, hey, where we're at. And me just doing the word vomit of here's my emotions, here's my thoughts, here's my process. And then she just listened and we talked through it. And then she would she would regret, she would tell me what her thoughts were. Um, we had a lot of bargaining towards the beginning of, well, we got to wait for this specific time. We are going to hold off for a year before we tell these people. Um, I didn't fully, um, there were, there's still some people that don't know. Um, most now do. Um, I think it was, uh, it was back, basically, I think February was the last time, March, April of this last year that we finally were able to fully open up to a much larger audience. And that was because we moved to St. And we moved to a new town and that was in a safer space. And we weren't dealing with some of the issues that we were dealing with in our old town. Mm-hmm. Now coming from the back background, you, you did. Um, the assumption is that you lost a lot in family. Um, when you came out and began accepting yourself, is is that was that the case for you? Yes, yes, that was. Um, my parents never accepted who I was. Um, they cut off contact almost instantaneously. Um, we've lost contact with most, if not all, of our family members. My brother. That's not the case with my brother. Still stayed connected with me, which I'm very, 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 very thankful for. Um, and, a, and a couple of my cousins and which are just absolutely amazing people. I'm so thankful for each of them that, that have seen it through. Um, it means everything. Were you prepared for that? You feel based on your experience and your knowledge of them? Um, yeah, I knew this was the outcome. I hoped it wasn't the outcome. And, and I feel like I'm drawing you right back into that very beginning part, because I think, you know, coming into the whole thing of the coming out and, and accepting the journey of where I'm at right now, um, we kind of have to have some more of that understanding. So my parents, my dad, um, if anyone understands what young earth creationism is, um, my dad was a leader in the young earth creationist movement. Um, he put on conferences for young earth creationism, um, and creation, young earth and in science, Christian science, creationism, um, blah, 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 um, all through the eighties and nineties. Um, they also took me a lot of times to, to Southern, to the capital in Salt Lake city. And we would have protest and conversations and things along those lines. I learned very, 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 very quickly that being trans is definitely not accepted. I learned in church that it definitely was not going to be a positive. It meant hell. It meant damnation. It meant everything. And so I knew when I went to my parents to say, hey, guess what? The thing that you thought was horrible, um, that's me, wasn't going to go over very well. And it didn't. Um I approached it, my, my mom has severe dementia, um, and they're a little bit in their older ages right now. And so what I did is I approached it from more of a text to my father, because the last thing I wanted to do was create a situation with my mom panicking or freaking out where we couldn't have a proper conversation. 
and I messaged my dad and I texted him and um, he mentioned a couple things that um, things like, you know, it's a phase you're um, you know, this is your, your, this isn't true. This isn't real. And then just a brick wall. Um, I had to finally over Christmas um, completely separate contact with them because um, the communication from them was extremely negative in, in many aspects. It was consistently trying to bring me back into the same old style of where I was coming from. And um, they never once used my right names or anything along those lines. And so, and so I had to finally say I couldn't do it anymore. And so I reached out and I said, you know what, we're going to have to, if you get, you know, I'll be open to you. If you ever want to come, I'm open. I'm, we'll connect with you in any way whatsoever, but I'm not going to accept any more of these uh, blanket um, letters you send that are kind of bombs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trigger, tr- trigger bombs. Um, so on the, on the other side of that coin, did you have people in your coming out process that accepted you in a way that surprised you or that, or that you weren't expecting any support from? I wasn't expecting my brother. Um, that was someone I did not expect. Um, but when, when I called them and I explained it to them, they're like, okay, sounds good to me. Let's keep going. I was like, what? This doesn't make any sense to me. You are uh, fully entrenched in, in in the Libertarian Party. You are very much into these certain ideologies and ideologues that we, we came from. But the benefit is that they spent a lot of time abroad and they spent a lot of time um, down in Southern uh, South America. And they've had exposure, which is part of the reason that I do what I do is seeing that that level of exposure can change their philosophy and change their mind, open the door to connecting with them. That's how we change this world. That's how we change it. It's not through picking up guns. It's not through fighting. It is through changing the hearts and minds through consistently changing the underlying zeitgeist, underlying narratives. Mm -hmm. In this process, in this period of your life, did you have community or a particular role model to turn to, um, to talk directly with or to help guide you? No. Um, when I started transitioning, I did not have anyone specifically. I saw um, the trans community on Reddit that I, I kind of looked at and glanced at, but it was really confusing and really struggle. Um, as I dealt with the internal, how do I do this? I then reached out, um, in the beginning I didn't, towards the middle I did. So um, when I finally got connected in, I was able to make some connections with the Minnesota Transgender Alliance. And that helped me build some of that foundation where you know I, I had an awful experience with the first therapist that I went to. I went to the, a therapist that I thought that was gonna be brilliant. They, were a, they had a quote unquote, they were a trans therapist they even said they were a trans couples therapist to help them th- people through their marriage while they were transitioning. And so like, Ooh, this is perfect. This will help both me and my partner. Yeah. Um, and it didn't, um, they drove a wedge between me and my partner in many ways. They also 
kept when I said, okay, so am I trans based off of the data here? I, I this is who I am. Um, their comment, well, you're not having, you're not homosexual and you're not, you're not willing to leave your wife. So I don't think you're trans. And wait, 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 what? A, a trans therapist that doesn't understand the difference between gender identity and sexuality? That's what totally blew my mind because then I got to another therapist and I was like, hey, wait, this one advertises directly to the trans community and they're using like these archaic practices, right? Why is this coming in? And then the, my next therapist has, did a massive job of helping me through a lot of stuff. I, I that therapist who got me to the place of suicidal ideation again, and it got me back into this horrific place where I was even like, you know, do I go into DIY? Do I do I jump into all this stuff just so that I can prove that this is who I am? And I, I was able to get away from her, and I got to a different therapist. And the other therapist was like, okay, well, sounds good to me. Let's keep going. And just took me through it and worked with me. And it was the community that I created with the Minnesota Transgender Alliance, having a therapist that not only, you know, didn't tell me, oh, yeah, that's not who you are, but, oh, yeah, this is not only where you're at, but let's talk through it. Let's work through you. Let's, let's actually deal with this stuff um, and understand. It, it, it changed everything. Yeah, and that's, I think, I think that's one of the worst things that can possibly happen. It was very similar to something that I had happened. I had a therapist that was kind of pushing back on me. And when you have a person of of power or that's supposed to be giving you guidance that you're looking to for guidance and they're challenging you on the very thing that you're challenging yourself on, it it really can derail progress. I want some challenge. Like I wanted people to say, hey, let's have a good dialogue. Let's mm -hmm. have a good conversation. But it was a lot of gaslighting, which was the problem that I kept dealing with. Of um, How do you deal with this? Um, she said, oh, go to the doctor and get hormones. So I went and I scheduled an appointment with the physician. I got her recommendation to go to the physician. We went and we talked to the pharmacist. And just before he prescribed it, she pulled support. I had to go back for another month and a half before then she gave support again uh, for getting HRT. And that time is when COVID hit. And when COVID hit, um, the hospital shut down. And so here I was, oh, yeah, you can have HRT, but there's no place for you to now get it. And that's then she dropped me and said, we're not working with you anymore. And that's when I found a different therapist. And it it changed everything to have someone that actually, yeah, challenged me for where I was at, challenged my thought processes, but didn't gaslight, you know, didn't, you know, that whole, you know, you're broken narrative. It was this, who are you? Let's actually get to the root of this. Let's yeah. find out. So what was your, your experience in trying to find a community to belong to in the beginning? Um, it was rough because I'm not really good at community in a lot of aspects. Uh, I struggled to how do you connect on Reddit? How do you connect in these social forums? And I don't do very well in those forums. Mm -hmm. um, it was honestly some of the Zoom meetings with the Minnesota Transition Transgender Alliance that I was able to get actually connected with some people. Um, and then just throwing myself into the work. Um, 
I found a lot of support with some cis allies that just connected and helped me. Um, they're the people that work with Secular North with me. And we threw, into, threw ourselves into how do we move forward and how do we connect? And I was able to talk with them and we were able to work through some of the concerns. I, you know, while it was great to have the connections that I did with the Minnesota Transgender Alliance, it was honestly joining Transverse that really helped. Um, and it's been, I'm like, I'm mostly, I'm 18 months and um, those mod meetings with Danny and team have meant like the world to me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to gain my composure back. I, um, that one got me. Um, <laughs> how has that helped you to, you know, find that confidence in your own identity and help move you forward in your transition? having a community that you feel you truly belong to? Well, it's given me the ability to then go forward and, and do stuff. So um, I have been fighting to get surgery um, and not nothing big, but just going through and just getting an orchiectomy. Um, the whole issue with the first doctor and the letter issue has carried over where providers see that this happened with this one asking questions and then they go, well, maybe we need a different level of support. And so um, insurance, one time I, I gave letters to them for getting the surgery and insurance goes, well, this letter's expired. It's year past. Well, it's a year past because you literally put it a year past <laughs> in, 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 the, in the handling of this. Oh, and this letter's not good enough because it's coming from this. Um, I just finally got my second letter over Christmas. Um, and Having, knowing that I can talk to friends and family and talk to Danny and talk to the people in the mod rooms and have the conversations has allowed me to go, okay, so like I was terrified. I hate talking to doctors, but it's like, okay, well, I can do this. And I don't want to tell anyone that I'm doing this stuff, but it, it, it helps like nobody's business to know that I'm not alone in this. Does that make sense? Yeah. As you kind of step back and look at it as a whole, what does transition look like or mean to you? So my username is left in the leaves. That's, uh, you know, we talked about my, my name, Justice Renee, but my username left in the leaves is the whole concept for what transition means to me. When I was 13 and I was struggling with um, who I was and starting to deal with the whole pounding and noise in the head, I read um, The Scarlet Letter. Um, I was 13, 14 at the time, and I got into... I was struggling with my gender, struggling with who I was. How do I accept this person? And I outbursted in a sense, right? I am, I, I couldn't understand where I was and why I was at where I was at. And so to deal with the internal shame and to try and drive it down, I got deep into cutting. And I cut an A into my arm. 
And I was wondering if it was Scarlet Letter related. That's yes, it is. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, I could not believe the shame that I, who I was. There's a quote in the Scarlet Letter. Here she said to herself, the torture of her daily shame would at length purge her soul and work out another purity that which she had lost more saint-like because of the result of martyrdom. And so when you asked me about the division point between who I was and everything along those lines, when I was 13, I threw myself into Christian work and ministry and working for the ministry because of that exact goal. If I could work out a different purity in my whole, whole soul, if I could change who I was through this aspect of stepping forward and being deeper, more spiritual, more connected, this is who I am, I could destroy the internal desires and the pain. You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs comes in here, right? We deal with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, where you have food and you need all these type of things. Well, gender identity fits right in there. And you can silence gender identity problems if you focus at a level higher than that, right? You can kind of silence some of those underlying needs by focusing on something so much stronger. And so I held to that whole concept that I was, this is my life or death. And when I would struggle with things, I would get into cutting and I would cut the A and I would cut it over and over and over. And by the time I got into college, that turned into a pretty, it turned into a scar and I could see it. Um, when I transitioned, I got a tattoo on my arm and it means the absolute world to me. But so what I did is I took that mark of shame that drilled into who I was and my identity, mm -hmm. that trying to drive and silence the scream, silence who I was, silence everything about me and hide myself under this mark, this mark of shame. Let the world not know who I was. Let the world not understand what I felt because I couldn't. I couldn't share it. It was too shameful. It meant that the world would have to know who I was. The day that I stepped forward and I said, I'm going to transition, I let it go. And I dropped that mark. And I turned that mark into a badge of pride. I now owned that mark. Um, there's a quote from the Scarlet Letter. Um, she removed the Scarlet Letter, taking it threw it among the leaves. The stigma, the stigma gone, she heaved a deep sigh in which the burden of shame and anguish departed. Oh, exquisite relief. She had not known the weight until she experienced the freedom. My A on my arm now, the tattoo that I have here, signifies the badge of where I'm now at, I have embraced the shame. I have embraced the connection and then I have left that pain among the leaves. I've left it there so that I can now live more fully and more connected. So when you ask me, what does transition mean to me? It means relief. It means freedom. 
it means I can have a connection with my kids, my two kids, in ways that I've never had before in my entire life. I can see them. I can feel myself. And I can understand who I am. Transitioning saved my life. And transitioning has given me now a life that I'm excited to see till I'm 80, 90, or however old I get. Um, as long as it's older than 35 and we're good. Well, yeah, and, and I, I love that you had this belief that the way to silence the one thing was to find that purity and that, that deep connection to faith by forcing yourself into, into the religious aspect. And it wasn't until much later that you realized that the purity came from accepting the identity that you were pushing down. That's where you found it just acceptance. It changes everything. Mm -hmm. I think I would next want to ask you, um, stepping a little bit more, a little bit more back, um, how have your goals shifted as you've moved across your journey? Um, when I started out, I started out saying things like I'm um, non-binary or gender fluid trying to hold on to some semblance of who I am and where I'm at. But now I've been able to embrace who I am. And yeah, I mean, what is next? I'm excited. I, I don't know, right? And so that's part of the thing is I think, you know, it's so easy for us to try and look at journeys as these straight lines, but they never are. They're connections, they're relationships with others. They see how we can shape and shift and mold and move with each and every one. And we can step forward. And um, where am I going to go? I have no clue. But what I do know is it's a journey. And I'm excited to be on it. And I'm excited to have the friends that I have. Um, and the relationships that I can see that allow me to move forward in ways that I never could previously. What do you do in your day-to-day if you're if you're struggling with identity or, or you're struggling with dysphoria, those sorts of things, what do you do to find validation in your identity? To find, you know, Justice Renee in the mirror or or in your in your heart? I look to see, you know, some of it is meditation, some of it is conversation, a lot of it is relationships, um, and embracing those relationships. Um, the relationships I have with my partner allow me to connect in a way that allow justice fully to feel and connect. And that isn't, you know, like even in just living my life, like even in connecting with my parents, right? My parents were very dismissive. They were very uh, brutal with the way that they treated me. Um, but I was able to see that this is who I am and to be able to embrace it. Right. Every day I step forward and I go, okay, what's next? How am I going to do this? I, I have my coffee cups. I have my things that I enjoy doing. I enjoy, you know, I, I, this is me. I love to dance. I love my flags. I love to have relationships with people. And so when I struggle with dysphoria, and I have, and I do a lot. What do I do? I try and remember why I did what I did. I look at this. I look at 
where I've come. I mean, it, it, it's hard because there are times, right, where you go, is that just a man in the mirror, right? Am I just fooling myself, right? Is this just wrong? But at the end of the day, does it really matter? At the end of the day, I have a connection with people in a way that I've never had. And this has allowed that to happen. And science is great. I love it. I have been able to you know, dig into the data and we can show over and over and over that trans individuals and who we are are 100% of the part of the blueprint. We're not mistakes. This is, this is part of the blueprint. We can show, we can talk about neuroplasticity. We can talk about weight. We, I mean, we can talk about the weight of white matter. We can talk about the weight of gray matter. We can talk about how we are who we are, right? And why we are. We can talk about the delineation or the tree of delineating choices during infantile development and how that actually changes nature and nurture and how these things fit. But no matter how much I argue and discuss what the science says, at the end of the day, when I look in the mirror and I go, is this real? I go, I can see and I can know that the relationships I have with people are so much more full when I accepted who I was as a person. And inside, I know this is who I am. And I'm thankful for who that person is. No matter how much I want to try and lie to myself and gaslight myself and say it can't be real and it can't be true, this is who I am and this is where I come from. And regardless of what science says, and science is definitely on our side and has shown the data over and over and over, this is me. Accept me for who I am because I want a relationship with you as a person. Love me in my humanity. That's so beautiful. Um, I think that sort of um, answers uh, one of the questions coming up. You know, what is the favorite thing you've learned along your journey? Well, besides the factor that I like earrings and I like all these things, um, it's connection. It's relationship. And I'll keep, I will harp on that all day long um, and how to relate to those things. Is there anything you feel you've been able to accomplish because of your transition? Um, I can live. <laughs> um, a lot more than that. Um, so I went from one of my, I'm a software engineer, um, one of the lead architects at, lead engineers at, lead engineers at Target. And I have been working in cybersecurity. I've worked on all over the places. Um, I had my worst year and performance evaluation, performance review, performance handling before I transitioned. And when I transitioned, the screen disappeared. My blood pressure dropped. Um, I'm alive. And when that screen disappeared, it allowed me to focus. And I literally had my best year and was named one of the lead engine, was named uh, top performer of the infrastructure division at Target. Um, following one of my worst years ever uh -huh. because I transitioned. <laughs> so that's, that, and that's where I'm saying is when you can actually accept who you are and, and move forward, it changes the game. Your freedom of being able to think and to be able to move forward allows you to then embrace things in a way and see things in a way. Being trans has allowed me to 
understand and relate with um, people across the spectrum. There's things that I understand about what it means to be male. And there's things I now understand what it means to be female. Um, and there's things that relate to being trans that aren't, don't touch either of those two things. Um, and it allows me to have a lot more connections with people. But I will tell you, um, if you're trans, you need HRT because, boy, does it shift your brain and allow you to be able to focus and do things that you've never been able to do before. What advice do you have to pass on to younger closeted trans folks out there? Um, it's not always going to be easy. But what's important is how... You live and accept yourself. The only person at the end of the day that you're talking with inside of yourself is you. It's not your parents. It's not your, 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 your spouse. It's not your kids. It's not your friends. At the middle of the night when you are in bed, the person you have to deal with is you. And... There is a level of freedom that is found when you embrace who you are as a person and go on the journey of exploration of how do we understand who we are? How do we move forward with this? Um, and regardless of if you find anyone that can be there, it, is, it changes everything when you have some people that can be there for you and help you and help you along the way. Because then you have friends that can accept you for who you are. And you see that from an external perspective. Be you. Be fierce. Be free. Because when you look at yourself when you're asleep at night, it's you. When you look at yourself in the mirror, it's you. Just be you. And there are so many of us. We'll come around. We'll, we'll wrap our arms around you and we'll do everything we can to make your world better. Um, that does not say that things won't be hard. They will. And it is for so many people. There's no way I could have come out. I had to talk with my partner about this the other day. We had we were having a long conversation. You know, I wish beyond a shadow of a doubt I'd been able to transition when I was a kid. But there was no way. Even had I shown any signs of it, it would not have ended well. Mm -hmm. um, and I would have lost so much. But I did transition. And now that I did transition, it did change everything. And the important thing is just be you. <laughs> I love you all it is. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I like to add to that when we talk about uh, concerns or, or regrets with the time that we transitioned. Oh, I wish I had transitioned earlier. And I, I truly believe that we, we transition when we are able to, whether yep. it's our environment or internally, what, what we need, what, what the place we need to get to be able to accept it within ourselves to do it. Um, and yeah, a lot of that comes from our environment and society. Um, but you know, it, it happens when you're ready for it. So you can't, you can't, um, yeah, yeah. hold that as a thing negatively against yourself uh, when you transitioned and, and if you should have done it sooner. You did it when it was right for you and when you were able to and when you felt safe too. And that's what's most Just, important. 
Justin got me to who I am now, right? I mean, he got me through all the stuff with my family. He got me through some of the stuff. He brought a lot of hell with him and he brought a lot of horrific stuff with him. But and a lot of damage that he did to other people. But I have to be thankful for where I got to and who got me there. And now I'm free. And now I'm out. And I have left my shame in the leaves. And I now wear who I am and every aspect of who I am as a symbol of pride. It is my badge of honor. No one can tell me I'm not trans. You can't shut me up. So I'm here. I'm here to stay. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from the Transverse Network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash the transverse and later on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the transverse. Be sure to check out secularnorth.org for updates on the work Justice Renee is doing. If you love what we're doing and want to help support the transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash the transverse.